Hello, hello. Hi, how are you? I am very well. How are you doing? Doing very well. Very well. So, I guess I just wanted to um, start off with, um, I guess, where uh, the email left off with rejection. Yes. Yeah. Do you want to read the thing that you sent? or? Yes, I think that would be best. Um, I think this is what I said after canceling the subscription. So I said, I'm so sorry. I just realized that I haven't been feeling uh, the feeling of rejection by other people, even though they've been doing it repeatedly. At this point, I've seen so many signs of people not responding to my most cherished thoughts or emails that for me not to, to feel rejection just seems ridiculous. I haven't been rejected. I haven't been um, rejecting bad people because I ha- I wasn't able to, to in the past for survival reasons. Um, I repressed the feelings of rejection, so I've been rejecting good people instead by not calling good friends in the past, and also now not continuing the subscription, which has brought me so much happiness. Rejecting good people is like recreating the abuse that I'm criticizing other people for doing now, which should not continue. This was provoked by losing the Philosopher King status, which made me feel rejected by you, who I highly respect, which I don't think I could have felt in any other way. Now it seems so clear that I shouldn't have felt it before. It's interesting that it took um, losing the status for me to feel rejection. This is a breakthrough because I think I can definitely afford continuing subscription, continuing IFS therapy uh, two times, a month instead and moving in the summer. If I stop spending time with bad people, I can also uh, spend more time studying for the new job too, which I have begun uh, to do because I realized that they were corrupt. Uh, Sometimes I feel like I create scenarios that may not be completely supported. Uh, Do you think I have a good understanding of what has been occurring? Maybe also with why I haven't been feeling like posting on the FDR boards. Does that mean the fear of rejection comes from repeatedly being rejected and having to normalize it. That's always the email. Yeah, I mean, look, first off, I mean, I don't care about the the subscription. I really just want to start off saying about that. I mean, that, <laughs> right. that's not what this call is about. So um, don't don't resubscribe or anything like that. That's that's. Not, I want to make sure that's real clear. I don't want you to feel that there's some sort of fiduciary motive in in the conversation, but. Um, I think I rejection is a very, sorry. I did resubscribe. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, I guess, uh, <laughs> but if you don't like the conversation, feel free to unresubscribe un- anyway. But I, th- I think that the, the topic of of rejection is is really important. Um, right. uh, obviously, it's really important for you. You're certainly not alone in the feeling uh, in feeling rejected in the pursuit of virtue, right? The the, the the idea that virtue produces loneliness is as old as time. And it's not a myth. I mean, it's it's real. It does. Right. So, but, but I think what, what struck me most was that you talked a lot uh, in your communication about rejection, but nothing about your childhood. Right. Which, for somebody who's listened to the show for a while, <laughs> is it is it an enormous yeah. shock that I might be interested in that that connection? No, it can't be. <laughs> I tried to kind of allude to it, um, like saying for past for survival purposes, so that um, I mean I have analyzed it in some depth or a lot of depth. I think um, probably not as fully as I, you know, there's. A lot of depth that can always be obtained by going back into um, thinking about your past and re-experiencing. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty abstract. Uh, and yeah. again, I mean, <laughs> you don't have to talk any, about anything you're not comfortable with. But I was wondering what you thought uh, about, in terms of the sensitivity you might have for rejection and your own history. Um, so I feel like I've was rejected by my mom repeatedly as a kid. Um, sometimes when we were in the car um, driving somewhere, we 
I think one time we got into an argument. I can't remember what. It's like probably when I was about four, and she threatened to leave me on the side of the road. Um, and that was a very painful experience that I still remember um, vividly throughout my childhood, even before um, FDR. Uh, a lot of the traumas remain with me, um, but I think that's, that was one instance. But the, probably the worst was probably when my mom said that because I did something wrong, she was going to either leave me alone and like kill herself, like jump off the bridge, something crazy. And she would say it one time and then like the next day it would be like it was all normal. Like she had never said it and I'd never heard it. Um, and then recently I told my mom that I was um, gay um, and I think I said, you know, I contemplated suicide and she was like, you know, I want to, you know, die as well or something like that. Um, oh, she made it about her? Yes, everything's about oh, her. Oh, that's tasty. And then whenever I try to make anything, um, you know, about my feelings and like how I felt in the past, it's always, um, you know, you you always want to, then she like throws it back on me like, I'm the narcissist. <laughs> like I'm only thinking about myself when I like showing and expressing feelings. So it's those are the, my main feelings of rejection, just continuously being um, anything that's true or honest is always rejected. And I just learned throughout childhood just to lie and either say either lie outright or just say I don't know. That was using my defense to um, after, like being you know rejected and just anytime I asserted my feelings or thoughts being rejected I just started to this lie and just you know come up with something that I knew my mom wouldn't see as negative or you know threatening or do what she wanted essentially obey can you give me I'm, I'm trying to understand the lying thing I'm, I'm like a, uh, sorry just so it's not implicit I really I'm incredibly sorry I'm sorry for a number of things obviously that your mom threatened to leave you by the side of the road when you're four which is a death sentence uh, I'm sorry that um, this escalation occurred at regular intervals um, I'm sorry that she threatened to kill herself if you didn't obey her that's monstrous and last but not least I'm sorry that you live in a world where you even have to come out as gay yeah. Like, I'm sorry, I, I, don't, I don't have to come out as straight, right? I mean, or white or male or bald or whatever, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sorry that we live in this still so superstitious world where that's something that even needs to happen, if that makes any sense. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Does make a lot of sense. Maybe we'll get there soon. <laughs> For our kids. Yeah, I mean, you know, anarchist is the new gay, right? I mean, you kind of have to hide it. Yeah, Any place is atheist is, is the new gay. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm sorry that we all have these restrictions, but, you know, we do have to live in the world as it is, not the world we want to live in. We can aim for it. But So I'm, I'm sorry for all of that stuff. And now, I, I mean, I have a couple of questions, but I don't want to interfere with what it is that you want to talk about um so you can you keep chatting and i'll i'll keep listening uh, intently or i can ask some questions or some something else i think if you could start asking questions and maybe there are some other questions i wanted to but i think maybe starting with how that would reproduce itself oh i guess to clear i think you said um to clarify what i was talking about with lying um just being sh being straight um if my mom asked me something really personal, Wait, I would always... Sorry, can you, can you not use the phrase just being straight? Because <laughs> <laughs> that really confuses me. Uh, uh, direct, honest, something. I just don't, I don't want to mix up my uh, overlaps here. Um, um, being attracted to the, op uh, the opposite sex um, whenever my mom asked me. So I would lie about that. So I wouldn't tell her that I was attracted to men. Right, so you'd be so like... Oh, she's hot. Yeah, oh, yeah, she's totally, yeah, she's, I, I like girls, and I just want to turn them into boys. No, wait, that's not what I mean. So, okay, almost, okay, okay. Almost, yeah. actually, she wouldn't even, she only brought it up two or three times, and it was like when I was like 16, 17, and it was always a one-time thing. Um, it wasn't like a continuous 
talking. I actually never talked about anything. I'm surprised she never found out or thought to ask me more about it because we actually never talked about sex or anything sexual in nature. Um, she well, the key would be, did it impact her, I would imagine, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly. if it doesn't impact her, right? I mean, <laughs> what, what you, I guess you weren't dating a whole lot through your teens, right? Uh, never. Uh, right. So, I mean, if you care about your child and they're not dating in their teens, then you would sit down and try and sort that out. But if you don't particularly care about your child and it doesn't have any negative impact on you, then, right? And she was Why a single mom, so... Um, yeah. Yeah. Since I was... I think they got divorced when I was three or four. Actually, she might have said two. Two, three, or four. I always thought it was four when I was younger, but it could have been two. Hmm. Do you remember what you were fighting about when you were four? So long ago, but I mean, I was. And can I also just so mention, been... just while you think about it, I mean, it's it's pretty freaking weird to have a fight with a four year old. You know, like I mean, it it you know, I I have a four year old daughter. It's weird to think of. I mean, you have so much power as a parent. You know, it, it's it's like uh, Mike Tyson in his prime saying, you know, what I got into a fight with a four year old a fist fight with a four-year-old, you'd sort of look at Mike Tyson and say, okay, I know you're nuts. I know you were that fucking nuts, right? Like that you would talk about getting into a fist fight with a four-year-old when you're Mike Tyson. And parents have so much power. It's just weird to think of them getting into a fight with a kid. Kid's got nowhere to go. Kid's got, got no economic independence. He's got no legal independence. He can't you know, some can't even pull his own pants down sometimes, right? Right. So it's just weird to get into a, a fight. I don't know if I'm explaining anything with any use, but it, it I just sort of want to denormalize because oh, I got into a fight with my kids or whatever. What? I mean, what? <laughs> I mean, it, it's they're they're children. You're the parents. What on earth are you fight? I mean, it's just weird. You know what it probably was? It was probably I yell. Um, I I raised my voice. Um, that's usually something that she doesn't like. And anytime, like she used to, she used to curse at me a lot whenever she got angry. Um, and anytime I would, you know, respond back with any kind of <laughs> outrage or, you know, yelling and or. And what do you mean? You see, I, I mean, you no. Know, I don't know. I, I, I guess I kind of walked that out. I don't know. Like, like curse words, like fuck, shit. Um, but she wouldn't say it like that. She would be more passionate. Yeah. Okay. More like emotionally charged. So it was like an intense for me who I need her to be happier to in order to like continue any kind of joy or like any kind of like getting through situation, I guess. A lot of my childhood was like getting through, <laughs> you know. Right. Getting through right. <laughs> And the the idea that that uh, you would be um, the idea that you would be left by the side of the road. Yeah, she was like, "Get out!" Did she like stop the car? Was it like a real? Yeah, she's yeah. She started to slow down. It's pretty psycho, right? Yeah. Like, if you don't obey, if you don't do as I say, if you don't whatever, I don't even know what the word is. Submit is probably the best word. Then I'm going to leave you by the side of the road and you're four. Yeah. And this was something that you perceived, of course, at the time, I would assume, tell me if I'm wrong, as a pretty genuine threat. Yes. And, of course, as a kid, you... You can't exactly be rolling those dice, right? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you can't say, oh, I'm going to call her bluff, because what if you end up on the no. side of the road? Right? Yeah. I would never call bluff. <laughs> not, not from no, or, or what if you get home and she's so angry that she just beats the crap out of you, right? I would never let it get that far. I mean, I would never. No, of course not. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. any genes which would compel a child to do that would be genes that would be pretty quickly weeded out of the population, right? I mean, they, they don't tend to last very long, right? Even up to, like, when I was in 11th grade, um, I still never, like, when my mom, like, pushed me into the corner, I still didn't get up and defend myself or, you know, do anything. And I was, like, working out. I wasn't, um, I didn't have huge muscles, but I was... I could have if I wanted to, and it's just, even at that point, I just did not. Well, but I mean, what, what are you going to do, right? I mean, if, yeah. let's say she calls the cops, let's say she kicks you out, right? I mean, you're in grade 11, for Christ's sake, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't physically stand up to my own violent mother until she was out of the house. Now, for me, that was like 15, but that's because of a variety of circumstances. But if you were still living there and she's paying the bills, I mean... Cops generally believe the parents, right? Yeah, that's true. I don't think so. I, even I, just, I want to point out this is not any kind of you didn't miss any opportunity, you didn't fail to act in some strong fashion. I mean, it sounds like a pretty impossible. I mean, an impossible situation. Yeah. Right. Right. When you were a child, did you perceive your mom as different from the norm? I mean, the norm always involves your mom. You can't help that, right? Because just so much exposure. But did you ever look at her like, well, she's a little off-center, to say the least? The problem was that I had a lot of other single moms around me, in a, in a sense. And I... Yeah, know that one. <laughs> like most of my friends had single... Um, parents so maybe I was a I don't know it would be interesting my friend, the friends that I chose were had a similar situation than I did as I did um, but well, I, I sorry, saw her as not, sorry to interrupt but it's not just the friends you chose I mean isn't it sort of the socio-economic environment my mom I mean, I'm chose your mom well with that money, right? she actually did have um she had. I mean, I feel like we were in the middle, middle class. So it, she did choose high quality um, public education um, school system. So she would research um, to make sure she was living in an area which had a decent public education. Oh, so it wasn't just single single moms around, right? Um, no, 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 no. I would. I would say it wasn't just single parents around. Um, I was just gonna. I was just um, saying that most of my close friends were had single parents. So no, it wasn't just single parents around. Um, right. So right. it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't in the inner. It wasn't in the inner city. It was most of the times in the, the suburbs of Atlanta. Um, and even before, when I was living in uh, like Charleston, it was um, high. It was suburban life. It wasn't inner city. And no. I've never seen crime. Um, I've gotten robbed once. Other than that, there has been never uh, a threat to my bodily, <laughs> my body. Well, anyway, excluding taxation, I. Oh, yeah, excluding. Well, excluding taxation, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In the conventional sense. All right. Did your mom ever get remarried? She did not. She actually um, told me that she tried to, you know, not date as much. She tried. She did get engaged once. Um, and they, I think she decided to break it off because he was in the military. Mm. Right. I don't know if that's because, you know, he would be flying around. He wouldn't be close by. And, uh, he was a really, I mean, he was a nice guy um, in the sense that even though he was joining the military. But, um, but yeah, he was, at the time, you know, I didn't dude, really think dude, too much dude, about dude. it. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Come on. The, the question of whether he's a nice guy or not <laughs> is fundamental about whether he's in the military. What is it fundamental yeah. to? Uh, my mom. Yeah, he wanted to marry your mom. Yeah. Right? I mean, <laughs> nice guys don't yeah. want to do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Okay, so let's go back to the, the car. You're four. Your mom's slowing down, basically saying, submit or die. 
I, I don't mean to put it that bluntly, and if I don't certainly don't want to put words in your mouth. No, but, that's how I. I mean, no, that's what I thought. No, that was my. I was pretty um, cognizant of what was occurring as a kid. Sure. Well, I mean, we pretty much focused on the parental attachment. That's our lifeline, right? Right. Okay, so your mom is all about, like, submit or die. And what did that do to you as, as, a, as a human being, as a, as a young soul, so to speak? Um, maybe feel worthless. Um, that you know, she'll just toss me out like trash, or I, don't, I mean, that's what I'm thinking now. But I mean, at the time, I didn't even think about it that abstractly. I was just focused at the, the feeling of um, her not wanting me, not being wanted. I mean, rejected, right? I mean, not to put too right. fine a point on it, right? Not to beg right. the question, but. That's rejection, right? Exactly. To be rejected, we we do have to have the capacity of acceptance, right? I don't feel rejected by dead people. Right? Because they don't have the capacity to accept me, right? right. I don't feel rejected by termites uh, or truly insane people or whatever, right? Because they don't have the capacity to accept or reject, right? Yes. Do you think that your mother had the capacity to accept? And let's, sorry, let me just, uh, that's a way too abstract. I apologize for that. Let me sort of be, be a little bit more clear. To, to reject is, is basically to say, in, in a power relationship, to reject is to say, I can't negotiate with you, and so what I'm going to have to do is bully you until you submit to me because I cannot negotiate. I cannot bend my will to accommodate someone else. I don't know the first fucking clue about win-win negotiations, and I'm not willing to learn. And so to reject someone... In a relationship which is a power relationship and where voluntarism is not a choice, right? I mean, you get rejected by someone you're applying to a job for or some guy you want to ask out or whatever. It's like, okay, fine. You know, it's lots of other fish in the sea, so to speak. But in a power relationship and an exclusive relationship like the parent-child, rejection is not the correct word if acceptance is possible. Does, does that make sense? Yes. So do you think that your mother was capable of accepting you as your own individual with your own thoughts and desires that would sometimes conflict with hers uh, and that but you deserved the the respect of a human being uh, in, in her life in the world uh, that she'd brought into the world and um but was she capable of that do you think i mean no <laughs> She was not capable of. I even into. I just like two or three years ago, I told her how I felt in that situation, and she even remembered her saying to me <laughs> um, that, you know, get out of the car. And I told her how it made me feel like I was gonna die, and she was just still just couldn't. She just minimized or just completely overlooked my feelings. So I don't think it would it would be possible. And I don't think it yeah, is possible. I just finished reading this uh, book called um, The Science of Evil. Sorry, not to put a... <laughs> I'm trying to label your mom or anything, but it's just that um, the empathy centers are very complex. It's like 10 centers of the brain that all coordinate to produce empathy. And, you know, lots of people don't have it. Lots of people mm-hmm. don't have it. You know, if a blind guy looks at my painting and says, I don't like it, what do I think? You don't, you don't care. <laughs> I mean, you don't, <laughs> he's not, he's looking at it, but he's not going to be able to accept yeah, or I mean, reject it. He's deluded, right? Because he's rejecting something that he can't process. And, and he's... Which isn't rejecting, right? Yeah, so if, if somebody lacks empathy... They can't reject you because there's no you. 
for them. Right? They, they can't see you any more than a blind man can see a painting. Or, you know, if I say, I like carrots, I don't like Brussels sprouts, I say that in front of the Brussels sprouts, but I don't think I've hurt their feelings, right? right. Because Brussels sprouts don't have feelings to me. Well, they don't have feelings, not just to me, they don't have feelings, right? At least not right. emotional feelings that can be hurt by uh, me not liking them, right? And it's important to know when we are Brussels sprouts to people. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when they just, well, I don't, I don't like Brussels sprouts. I don't have empathy for the feelings of Brussels sprouts because Brussels sprouts in my world don't have feelings. Yeah, I remember you saying this before. Like, it wasn't really me that she was rejecting. It was... She just didn't like the feelings that it provoked in her, so she just, you know, did whatever to get rid of them or to relieve her anxiety. And it has nothing to do with... There's, there's lots of things that people do that feel like rejection that aren't rejection. Right? So, I mean, if a, if a bird shits on my knee, I will wipe the shit off my knee, right? It doesn't mean I'm rejecting the bird and feel strongly about the bird or whatever, right? It's just... <laughs> I should, I should get, I should really get rid of that, right? Right. That's not really a rejection. I may be sort of mildly annoyed, but I'm not going to get angry at the bird, right? <laughs> right. So there's things that people can do that are not, you know, a rejection of them, right? So I may be sitting there reading a book in the park, and some guys come play, come by to play touch football, and maybe they're kind of loud. I may be a, a little annoyed, but it's a you know it's a park, right? I mean, it's not like I have a monopoly on the the sound levels or anything, and so I may move away. But does that mean I'm rejecting them as human beings and so on? No, they're just doing things that don't coincide with my wishes. So I'm going to change my behavior to deal with that negative stimuli for me. But it's just mm -hmm. negative stimuli for me. It's not like they're objectively doing something wrong by playing such football in a park, right? I wonder if I did know that as a kid. I'm sure oh, you may have. But but go on. Well, you said I didn't or did? Sorry. No, you did. Sorry. I, mean, I'm, I would be convinced you did. I mean, uh, trust me, my my daughter can do an impression on me so accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so. But no, why, why do you think that you did? No, I think I did know. I mean, I, I, I feel like... I knew that she was just, she didn't know how, she couldn't, or she didn't know how to, or she didn't feel like she wanted to be a good parent or figure out what a good parent was, or she just wanted to assume that she was a good parent, regardless of what her actions were. And like, so she didn't have to live up to um, any model of what she's seen before. She just felt like she could do it because, you know, she's her. <laughs> um, so I think at a real since that I did know that. So I guess if that's not where the rejection, if the feeling of rejection isn't coming from my mom, because I know that she's not capable of empathy, then where would the... Uh, but no, there's another layer, though. Sorry to interrupt, right? Uh, there's another okay. layer, right? And this is important as well. Which is, if you as a child are, quote, you would just use the word, right? Rejected by your mom. And you don't care that you're rejected by your mom. What happens? You just ignore what she says? Yeah, what happens then? Um, <laughs> you get in trouble. <laughs> you can't, you can't just, just ignore it. You, um, you will face some kind of punishment. Yeah, it escalates, right? Yeah, it escalates. It yeah. escalates until you can convincingly care about <laughs> your mother's rejection. Uh, Does that make sense? Yes, it makes complete sense. So when I was, I don't know, gosh, maybe five or six years old, so middle of the night, I, I was always a light sleeper as a kid, fucking stressful household, right? Uh, and I remember... My mother was sitting, I guess, in the living room. I was in my bedroom. This is, I don't know what time it was, 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. And my mother just suddenly screamed at the top of her lungs, I hate these fucking kids. 
Mm. Wow. And I remember making a face like, oh, that's bad. Like I have to sort of, oh my goodness, that's a bad thing to hear or whatever. But fundamentally, it didn't move me. I wasn't shocked. I mean, of, of course she felt that. My mom always had these fantasies that she'd be with Jacqueline Bissett on the red carpet if it wasn't for my brother and I, you know, that there was this huge Tennessee Williams thwarted life of glamour and power and prestige and money and beauty and all that. Um, but uh, but because of the kids, this was all taken from her. It was all this nonsense, right? Mm. And so I, I kind of got that it was a bad thing to say at one level, but fundamentally it didn't move me. Like it wasn't like, Oh my God, my world fell apart. And from that moment on, I was never the same. Like, of course. I mean, given how she acted, I mean, of course she hated us at least, you know, a lot of the time, not always, but a lot of the time we all trapped in there face to face. Nobody liked anyone, frankly. (laughs) And it's like the (laughs) Sartre play, no exit, hell is other people. Right. And so, and and again, I'm really trying to make sure I separate my experience from yours, but you have to pretend that her rejection means something, even if it doesn't. And you have to pretend convincingly enough that you have to kind of half end up convincing yourself, right? I mean, the best way to act (laughs) is to, right? Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly how I feel. That's like, yeah, I had to, yeah. And so that's what takes hold because you have to convincingly portray it and if you conv- if you portray it convincingly enough you know like I've done scenes in 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 theater class uh, I've done scenes in in the actual stage where you know I work myself into tears and I end up actually crying like I've convinced myself enough mm-hmm. that the emotion takes over and I can see my daughter doing this sometimes too if she's upset about something I can see her working herself into tears I mean, it's not like she's not faking them. She really does end up crying. And so something that isn't vivid for us is not a spontaneous emotional reaction. If we have to portray it to ourselves or to others convincingly enough for long enough, it takes root within us, right? Yeah. Even though we kind of know it's not true. <sighs> it's true. And that's a good point. I just... I was trying to but figure out how to connect that. That's the, sorry to interrupt. It's because you were saying like, "Wow, that is how I feel." That's always good to hear. But but how does that <laughs> fit with your experience? It fits perfectly. I was always trying to figure out um, why I always. Well, I knew I needed to portray myself in certain ways to um, be accepted, or to at least continue or not get punishment or to move up in some sense of the um, the feeling <sighs> trying to I don't know I guess being gay it kind of I don't know if that if that helped or if that if like I was consciously able to lie to other people sure um, so Maybe that helped me separate, even partially, you know, knowing that I'm lying about, you know, loving my mom or saying it and not meaning it or saying it and pretending to mean it. I, no, I get, it. I get it. I mean, you you live a life. I mean, and the, the difference is, of course, that you can you can sort of say that you love your mom and that may not be how you feel deep down, although it's obviously has an effect to keep saying it. But you can say you're straight over and over. It matter, right? <laughs> I mean, that's not going to yeah. change who you're. Right? I mean, there's no way you can fake yourself into being straight, right? Yeah, exactly. But but you still, of course, you had to try and blend, right? Right. So the question is the unblending. <laughs> or should I yeah, say I mean. The- yeah, the gay thing is another issue, which you can certainly talk about if, if you know, if you want 46-year-old straight guy's opinion on that at all, <laughs> certainly to chat about it. But, but the, thing, the thing with your mom, I think, is, is, is really important. The thing with your mom is really important. There's a terrible thing that happens to the integrity of a child who has to conform 
to severely dysfunctional behavior. I mean, narcissistic self-involvement, lack of empathy, whatever it is. Yeah, I don't know. We're just I'm no expert, but but there's something really difficult that happens to a child, which is that you have to pretend that the person means something to you even though you don't mean something to the person. Mm. Yeah, I feel like that's what I do a lot. Right. Right. And, and the only way to make it through a childhood with somebody who lacks significant amounts of empathy is to pretend so well that you forget that you're pretending. It doesn't create any real feelings of attachment or love. But you can, like, I, I remember when I was in boarding school when I was six, I would um, lie in bed and just sometimes, if I was upset, you know, a good cry usually makes you feel better. And I remember I'd sit there um, curled up at a ball under my blankets uh, in a big corridor with all the other boys and everyone was usually asleep at this point. And I'd, I'd sort of cry to myself by imagining that my mom was coming and was going to take good care of me and so on. And I would say, Bubby, Bubby. And I would sort of make myself cry. And I feel better afterwards. Of course, if my mom had actually shown up in the doorway, I'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> right? Like, oh, that's not right. good. Right? So so there would be this, like, fantasy life of, you know, but it didn't have anything to do. You, you have to manufacture so much when you lack those basic empathetic and loving relationships. You have to manufacture uh, obedience based out of fear and contempt. Uh, you have to hide your contempt, of course, when you realize, if you do, that, that your parents are, you know, pretty much retarded, right? I mean, just, just like big, dangerous children themselves. Mm-hmm. And all of this is, is really crippling. Uh, it's not permanently crippling, and it's, it's good that, that you did what you did. I mean, and I don't, you know, there was no, there's no choice. I mean, there's no, no option whatsoever. You you can't openly defy people without empathy. I mean, they'll just they'll fuck you up one way or another. I mean, they're just really dangerous to be around. And you're, you know, you do you not have any siblings, is that right? I do not. I'm an only child. So right. just me and my mom. Right, and that's I mean that's you know even more, even more toxic, right? Because you, so it's just anyway. I'm incredibly sorry for this all round. Um, so you you end up having to fake a whole bunch just just to get through. And I, I mentioned this in the show before, but it's like that scene in the Gulag Apicalago where Solzhenitsyn is describing everybody is applauding some party dignitary who gave a speech, and there are a bunch of you know KGB agents around, and they all applaud until their hands bleed, because nobody wants to be the first to stop applauding. Because right. then you're going to be yanked off to some concentration camp, right? Yeah, you yeah. were the one who's applauding. Why were you the first one to stop applauding? To stop, so they keep going. So they keep going and cheering and, ah, I mean, what an insane situation to be in, right? You've got to cheer something that you're contempt, contemptuous of. You've got to praise something that you're terrified of. You've got yeah, to show a like, conformity out of enthusiasm that's entirely based upon punishment. And, and so the, the real rejection, and it's a necessary rejection, the real rejection is of your own genuine experience of being a child in that household. So, um, what genuine stripped of all necessary propaganda, conformity, and kowtowing, and bullying, and fighting, and, right, what was your own experience? What was your genuine experience of being a child in that household? Terror, complete. Always afraid of any time my mom, my mom would always just come into the door, or into the room, barge in, um, she always wanted the door open. Um, you know, why is this door closed? She'll barge in anytime. Doesn't matter, no knocking. So just completely afraid. Um, I don't know if like some trash hasn't gotten taken out. There's some crumbs on the counter. My mom was always a stickler about having one of the cleanest houses in the world. <laughs> um, any breadcrumbs on the counter was um, almost a, <laughs> a long, long time of just anguish and emotional turmoil so I was afraid just <laughs> a lot of my childhood was um, being afraid a, um, 
chatterbox? She talked, but it wasn't. She would talk about anything that she felt, and um, you know, I would chime in, <laughs> and we would ask each other questions. And she she tried to engage um, me in some things that um, she felt was important. And then as I got older, um, we did start talking about politics. Um, I started I essentially came into politics um, um, essentially watching CNN newsroom uh, not newsroom, it wasn't called that, a crossfire at the time um, and I, I love debates so I watched that show continuously until I, um, I became a Democrat then I saw Ron Paul in 2008 and essentially came into the movement um, through him running. So I guess talking about politics sometimes, um, I'm a very health, healthy advocate, um, health food advocate. So we would talk about um, healthy living. Um, so I mean, we, I gauged some so, in some sort of way with her, but it was nothing intimate, nothing emotional, nothing about any of my private lives. She never you know, inquired about having a girlfriend except for mm. a couple of times maybe in eighth grade i did was eighth grade i did try to date someone um, oh do single mothers hang on like grim death so often to the single sons right <sighs> she she <laughs> um grim, oh i'm so sorry i'm a little concerned about getting lonely as i age so you just sit right here by mama until the end of time she didn't do it as much as I feel like other parents do it. Uh, my mom it's was good to kind hear, of yeah, it's good. Yeah, actually had a lot of time alone actually, which was nice. And so not I was isolated, but not nice in that way. But it was better than being continuously bombarded with you know her thoughts. I had my own thoughts, and it wasn't continuous amounts of questions. And like I know a lot of people have to go through that just continuously invoking into your actual private space which is your ability to think for yourself and that was never um done like i could just say i don't know or you know make up something well and that's not necessarily a good sign right oh. i mean if Maybe you didn't not. care what your thoughts are that doesn't necessarily speak of emotional maturity right yeah that's true uh okay so so the the terror you said that you felt for most if not all of your childhood what emotion <laughs> sorry to sound so annoying what emotion comes with fear um, the three um, fight flight or freeze right yeah I mean the, 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 the freeze and the flight are kind of two sides of the fear mechanism right yeah because I couldn't fight anyway yeah, you can fight. Um, <laughs> what emotion comes with with fear? Um. And you can see this if you ever watch those shows where they there's a, I think a pretty famous YouTube video where some guy pretends like he puts a a screwdriver in a light socket and pretends that he's getting an electric shock. Right. And his friend is really startled and afraid that he's getting electric shock. And what always happens right after that? Um, you're relieved. Relief? No. Oh, I mean, maybe. Like, but I mean, that's right. So if somebody, if I, you know, if I, if I, if somebody pretends that you've given them an electric shock, and it turns out that they're fine, what's the f emotion you feel after? Oh, thank. Like what was the point of that? What's um, what is? I'm trying to think of what it's called. Like, it's, oh, it you know a, the word. It was emotion. <laughs> I think it's unnecessary. Uh, what's the emotion? It's exasperation. Uh, like, what was the point of that? Yeah. What's yeah? Yeah, but but the you know what the point of that is, right? It's to make you feel scared. So when somebody wants to make you feel scared, what do you feel towards that person? 
anger. Yes. Well, that's what I should be feeling. <laughs> well, I would argue that it's not I what you feel. should feel. It's what you are. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I did. I did write about repressed anger, but I didn't. I only felt it once. When was that? I think I was listening to a podcast, but it was more about like domination. It was more about like arguing with people, and not. It was less about my mom. It's probably more like projecting. Right. So a mom who threatens you with abandonment, a mom who doesn't show much empathy, a mom who scares you, who bullies you, who threatens suicide, and uh, so on, who you can't get away from. Do you think there's some anger there? Yes. A lot. Yes. A lot. A lot. Because people who, I mean, people who scare us, I mean, the, the emotional purpose of, of fear is to get us to avoid danger, right? Yeah. And anger is the, is the fight mechanism, right? And anytime we feel fear, I believe, we also feel anger to a proportional degree. It's just that if you're in the freeze mechanism, you can't show it because you're frozen, right? Right. Yeah. And children don't have the fight, and they don't have the flight. All they have is the freeze. And in the freeze, you can't show anger. In the compliance, you can't mm. show anger. Anger is the opposite of compliance to injustice, right? Anger is fighting injustice. And so the emotion that always accompanies fear, which is anger, is inexpressible in an environment where subjugation is necessary. The slave is frightened of the whip, but he cannot get angry at the whip master. Why? Because that means the whipping is going to be harder. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually remembering all the times I was um, angry at her and like telling, calling you know, her a bitch in my mind and over and over and again. She, just... yeah, and she swears at you, which is an unholy thing to do to a child. I mean, it's, it's evil. It's an evil thing to do to a child. And and I bet that you were never allowed to mirror even the slightest of her negative behaviors back at her. None of what. Never, ever, ne ever. If never. even like a, like a sliver of anger came out of my mouth, out of my thoughts, not out of my thoughts, out of my, um, my mouth, Everything have to kept, be kept in like my mind and very abstract and emotionless because I couldn't like experience way, it. Look, the easiest way to get to have something. It's interesting that you know when you listen to this back, you'll notice that your thoughts and your words and your mouth were kind of mixed up, right? But that makes sense because the best way to not have something come out of your mouth is to not experience it in your heart, right? Anger is very dangerous to people who are being controlled. Right. Anger is the right of the master, not of the slave. And if the slave ever gets angry, the master escalates immediately and intensely. And so the necessary rejection of your own anger was an essential survival mechanism in this particular instance or environment, right? And that is something that's really important to remember. That is important to remember. Because <laughs> that's probably the biggest thing. Pressing. Yeah. And it's... I do feel myself repressing it at many times. So how so how do I deal with the how do I uh, I guess express the anger in a healthy non-projecting way? Ah, well, 
know, <laughs> saying, how do I just become a gymnast? Well, <laughs> you get coaching and you practice, right? I mean, there's no secret sauce, right? There's no, I'm going to give you the secret word that turns <laughs> you into a gymnast, right? An expert sort or whatever, right? Um, I mean, therapy, of course, uh, is fantastic way to to work on these feelings notice your dreams and what happens is when we get at least i think i say for me what happened when i first started to get really angry about my history was that i self-attacked the anger slid towards self-attack which was which is why i'm always really emphatic with people that this was a necessary survival strategy because you start to get really angry and then you're like, oh man, I was such a coward. I never said any of this stuff when I was a kid. <laughs> right. Anything. God, right? That's just another way of diffusing your anger, turning it against yourself, right? I've done that before. Yeah, I did that when oh. I first started listening to your podcast. What <laughs> the hell's wrong with me? Self-attack, yeah. Why do I have such difficulty being assertive? What the hell's wrong with me? God. I'm so broken. Oh, right. But no, it's all necessary survival strategies on a non-voluntary and extremely dangerous at times environment, right? Yeah. I mean, if your mom had carried through on her threat to kill herself, well, that's uh, quite a lot of complications for young you, right? Yeah, lots of complications. Makes things a lot harder. Right. So there was, it was very smart to not be angry. It was essential. It was wise. It was good. Right? And and if you wanted to stay in these kinds of relationships your whole life, then there wouldn't be any point changing this, right? But you don't, right? I, no, I do not. Definitely I'm do not. Ever again. <laughs> ever, ever again. I mean, for God. You, you didn't choose that, but you can choose now, right? Yes, exactly. Right, so uh, I think the first thing is to recognize is that your anger was tamped down, right? Like... In the same way that if you had grown up in uh, North Korea, you would have a bit of trouble uh, uh, talking openly in public about your political views. Is that because you were a coward? No, it's because you're alive. Right. And if you hadn't done that, you wouldn't be alive. In in right, if you'd grown up in di- di- in a dictatorship. That's true. Right. You can only do it in some extent in the United States. Yes. So I think that's that's really you know, to, to, it's not even a matter of forgiving yourself for your compliance. You have to praise yourself for your compliance. Like great fucking job, little me. <laughs> like holy shit, right. great job, <laughs> me. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing to remember is that you have an inner mom now, but your inner mom is there to protect you from the outer mom. She's not the same as your outer mom. No, no part of ourselves is an enemy to ourselves. Right? So you had to internalize your mom's personality yeah. in order to manipulate her into letting you live, right? Exactly. And so you, your inner mom may come charging at you, and you may be tempted to respond to your inner mom like you would your outer mom. You bitch or whatever, right? But no, your inner mom is not a bitch. Your inner mom is totally there to help you. And she's rushing at you, yelling at you, which she'll do sometimes, because she's there to prevent your real mom doing that. I actually never even thought of that um, inner mom, like my mom's personality, how it, uh, how it may have like internalized itself. Oh, you, yeah, that's definitely happened. I mean, I'd love to one day fund, uh, you know, if the donations are rolling in, I'll do this one day where I had a fund on, like, so you're going to get the mom or, or the dad to get a brain scan while they're chatting about certain topics, and then I'm going to do a role play with the kid playing the mom and dad. I bet you exact same brain center is going to light up. Mm. Personalities yeah. are incredibly infectious, particularly for children. I tried not to become, I mean, I was cognizant of trying not to become... <laughs> like my mom, narcissistic. Is it possible that I tried not to do that? <laughs> or are you saying that it's almost an, an impossibility to... To not be like your mom? No, I said your mom, <laughs> your inner mom didn't say you. Right, 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 that's true. Uh, your, your inner mom is, was there to protect you from your outer mom, right? And so, no, I mean, God, don't don't think you're doomed to be like your mom. 
I mean, the fact that we're even having, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's another form of self-attack, right? Which is despair, whatever, right? Uh, no, you're not at all doomed to be like your mom. I mean, you're listening to shows, you're doing self-knowledge work, I assume, you're obviously not yes. yeah, jumping down my throat for suggesting therapy. And, <laughs> you know, I think your um, your level of self-awareness is extremely high. Yeah. And you should take great pride in that. Your level of sensitivity to your yourself, right? So there's been a ton, ton of times in this conversation, you'll listen to it when you hear back, tons of times in this conversation where I've said something pretty difficult and you're like, bam, I felt that or I didn't or whatever, right? So you really are a heroic knight of self-empathy, <laughs> right? And through that self-empathy, which you've rescued through this horrible journey uh, through your childhood, I mean, that's incredible. I mean, what a, what an incredible feat. I mean, it's like throwing a whole bunch of dinner plates off a tall building. In a windstorm and on a on a table in a perfect, you know, let's have a dinner party. It's incredible what you've done, and that self-respect, that self-praise is important. Now, you say, well, look, I am going to self-protect, which means I can't be around people like my mom, because that is going to cause me to regress, right? I mean, obviously, right? I mean, somebody who's working on PTSD coming out of war doesn't sit through a whole bunch of war films, right? And that's not a good idea. So he doesn't go back to war, right? Right. Right. So not being around people like your mom, I think, is kind of important for a while. Uh, and uh, that, and your unconscious will get, oh, we're doing something different. Okay, we don't have to protect ourselves against these kinds of people anymore, uh, at least not as intensely. And therefore, we can start to explore other ways of being. Things like getting angry. Things like uh, being assertive. Things like being curious about other people without fear of being sucked into their narcissistic whatevers, right? So there's things that you can do that are different. Yeah. Uh, if I have you change, myself... I've actually found myself doing different things, especially when my um, friends do, um, or my friend did something really, um, I thought, um, not, you know, not caring. Uh, it was like something I really care really deeply about, which was the gun control debate. And I got pretty um, angry at the fact that my friend laughed and kind of did cause, like put me down in a way that my, my ideas were just, you know, something to laugh at. So I, I could, I, this is the first time I really got angry at someone just dismissing my argument um, in just a clear fashion. So I have felt myself become more angry. And I, I tried not to, I mean, I don't even, I haven't even felt the need to self-attack um, anymore. Um, I have been doing IFS therapy, so I've tried to um, work through some issues in the past. But the connection really helped with um, thinking about uh, like making myself or starting to believe the lie. Right. Because I'm not right. sure if I fully was aware of the fact that I was, it, was, it may have been possible that there's still some things that I'm like lying to myself about. And that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's not what you said no that's that's not what I said that's not what you said no <laughs> but that the necessary conformity to a dangerous environment the, the most efficient thing is to falsify to the point where you believe it that lying lying is a voluntary action right right so like if somebody comes to my house and says where's your wife I want to shoot her I'm not going to tell the guy the truth right I'm not lying to him because we're not in a situation where there's a voluntary interaction. Oh, I never thought about it that way. Wait, so... I see you're lying to yourself. You're surviving, for God's sakes, right? <laughs> so wait, how is... I've never thought of lying as being defined in that way. Could you like go into more depth? Well... Uh, the law recognizes this completely, right? So if I hold, if I, I walk into a grocery store with you with a gun to your ribs and say, steal that candy bar, you steal the candy bar, and we get caught, who goes to jail? Uh, the person that steals the candy bar, the person that listened to... Another person that lied. Or... No, I, I put a gun to your ribs and say... Go steal that candy bar. I'm going to walk into oh. the, the 
That's the uh, grocery store with you. You steal that candy bar, or I'm going to shoot you. Right? And then you go and steal the candy bar, and then they apprehend us outside. They find that I had a gun pressed to your ribs the whole time. Who goes to jail? Oh, yeah, the person that had the gun to you. Yeah. Because you didn't steal something. You didn't, have... I mean, you didn't have a choice. You had a gun to your ribs. It's not stealing. Of course, of course. Of course. And if, if somebody's going to threaten, you know, tell me the truth about where your wife is, I'm going to go kill her or whatever. I'm not going to tell the guy the truth. I'm going to lie. But it's not oh. lying, right? Any more than what you did with the guy with the gun to your ribs is stealing. Oh, it's not lying. It's not lying, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I voluntarily go give a bunch of money to people who are doing great wrong in the world, then I'm subsidizing evil. If I'm paying my taxes so they don't get gang raped in jail, that's just not it's not the same thing. There's no there's no morality involved where there's force. Right. So you can't call it lying to yourself because you do because there was I mean you you fucking threatened with being left by the side of the road when you're four. Sorry, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm mad at you. I'm just, I really want to. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, and I understand. This is where the self attack is can creep in, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, I, I made my mom, um, Mother's Day cards. Does that mean I was confused about my relationship? <laughs> no, of course. Wait, recently, or you mean as a kid? Recently, God no. <laughs> No, God, I don't know if we're in the dead. <laughs> oh, well, I'm a kid, right? Uh, we, we would make her uh, breakfast on her birthday. Why? Because you're fucked if you don't, right? Right. If you have to lie, it's not lying. I mean, you just can't use the same word, right? Because, right. I mean, I know it's hard to use a different word, dissembling or whatever, but you, you can't use the same word to describe somebody who voluntarily tells a falsehood for material advantage and somebody who, who, who lies because they got a gun to their head. I mean, it's not the same moral category, right? I mean, not even close. It's yeah, a good idea. Yeah, separating that's you know, really important. Mm -hmm. That's good. So if I if I feel the need to start, um, or if my mom like because she she's she just become nice, <sighs> you know she tries to act like you know she's changed and you know <sighs> I guess continuously being honest. This is what I want to talk about. I haven't I haven't talked to her um, in a while, but. Yeah, look, as far as managing your relationship with your mom goes, I will defer to your therapist with all due humility. I mean, that's no. that's a big, big and complex question. I mean, yeah. I don't even know how old you are. I don't know what your circumstances okay. in life is. So so I, I'll leave that to, to your therapist, if you don't mind. Um, I, uh, I, I think that, that being honest with people is a, is a good thing. And I right. think that some relationships are strengthened through honesty and some relationships are strengthened through honesty. But that should not deter us in our goal of of honesty and i would you know I, I don't know if you have or haven't but i would ask uh, your therapist for uh, his or her assessment of your mother's capacity for change right i mean character logic disorders right the, the real basic ones like lacking empathy and stuff as far as i know completely incurable as far as i know right some idiot yeah. on the internet but i mean certainly incurable by you oh yeah definitely not trying to cure Right, right. So, I mean, I would focus on, on, on uh, trying to assess her capacity for change, and I would assess it as an idiot on the internet as, as low, and uh, if, if not, I mean, the change comes because she's going to be working at it real hard, uh, Not it's not going to come about because, you know, the, the seasons turn and the, the moon <laughs> waxes. Yeah, I feel like so, she's um, working on her career, not on self-knowledge, so... Right. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, the human personality is incredibly inert, uh, even at the best of you know, under the greatest efforts to change it. Sometimes feels like pushing the entire planet uphill. But um, so, yeah, if, you know, working on change, change isn't going to happen. You just decide whether, you know, she's somebody you want to spend a lot of time with or not. But I would definitely work on that uh, with your therapist because that you know yeah. takes a lot of detailed knowledge that uh, 
um, we don't, I don't have, and we don't have time together. Understandable. Um, well, I guess I've taken up good enough time, and it was very helpful. Um, was it was it useful? Very useful. Uh, yes. Sort of the helpful chat. Yes. Um, definitely in the lying thing, and this is literally the biggest part. Um, not using the same moral um, standards. I yeah, certainly kind can't say moral standards for kids as we do for adults. And uh, my forgiveness uh, is always, there's not even anything to forgive with kids. I mean, most of them are just trying to survive their environment. So I hope that I hope that was helpful. I'll send you a copy, of course. You can have a listen um, if you thought it might be helpful. I think it would be, but uh, for other people to uh, listen to, you can let me know um, okay. if that all right. Uh, but to have a listen, let me know what you think. That sounds perfect. I appreciate all your help, sir. You're very welcome. Thank you for taking the time to chat. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. I enjoyed it as well.